Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. So our podcast is called Right and Wrong. Are these your notes? These these are your notes about what we're going to say. What does it say? it would be a good... (laughs) I didn't even get to idea. Maybe I can just ask you the question. (laughs) It's going well. It's going really well. (laughs) Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Right and Wrong podcast. As always, it's me, Jamie, and today I'm excited to be joined by the one and only Heidi Stevens. Hello. Hi, Jamie. The one and only. I haven't been called the one and only for a while. I mean, I feel like Chesney Hawks. (laughs) (laughs) There's only one Heidi Stevens. Only one. Let's kick off with your debut novel, Two Meters From You, a romance set in lockdown. Tell us about it. So it was a romance about lockdown that I wrote in lockdown. Um, uh, so You're a I mean, writer, I see. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I am. I'm the Lady Gaga of the literary field. Uh, I I wrote it really as a as a sort of an experiment in can I write a book? Um, it's mm-hmm. something I'd wanted to do for a really long time, but I think as with a lot of um, novelists who 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 find that career later in life, it was um, I never had the time. Yeah. So um, when we all got uh, locked down in March last. Last year and I, I was furloughed from my job and I had time on my hands for the first time in really 20 years um so I thought you know what, I'm gonna have a go and to write a a love story a, a sort of romantic comedy about about a woman who is who's trapped in a small west country village during lockdown was was something that that felt like my way I guess of of, of navigating the situation we were in sort of seeing it through the lens of a fictional character yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, it was it was it kind of started out as a bit of an experiment and ended up being being my first my first novel that, that came out in uh, March of this year. Yes, a very successful experiment. Yeah. I mean, I, I, had, I had no expectation when I started it. It started out as, you know, can I write a chapter and can I write three chapters and can I write 20,000 words and then and then can I finish it? And, and then, of course, you move into another phase, which is, well, well what do I do with it now? And, and yes. I, I didn't know anything. <laughs> I didn't have a literary agent or know anything about publishing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I did what what debut novelists do. And I, I, I pitched it out to, you know, I submitted it to lots of agents and, and went through that process. And um, very fortunately, um, found a literary agent who who got me a deal with with Headline, which was super exciting. So, um, so yeah, I feel like I know I know that, that this this last eighteen months has been hugely challenging in lots of ways. But actually, yeah. for me, um, you know, much as it makes me feel slightly guilty to say it, it's actually been a really positive experience. But yeah. Um, but uh, but yeah, it's 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 been quite life changing actually. Yeah, it sounds like it. it. Sounds like you've had a you, you've really kind of um, been swept up through the through the whole publishing journey. Is this you, you mentioned that you've always wanted to write? Was this the first time you'd actually written 
a, a story, a novel, or had you written them previously and, and of course, never finished them or anything? No, no, this was my very first. I, it, it, it was it was something I've thought about a lot. I mean, I've always been a writer in some yeah. capacity. So I started out in marketing. In fact, I still work in marketing. I, I still have a proper job. Um, <laughs> and uh, in, in different capacity, like brand management and then into copywriting. And, you know, I've written lots of ad campaigns and brochures and, and you right. know, and, yeah. and TV ads and, and instruction manuals and all that kind of thing. Instruction manuals? <laughs> Uh, I, vacuum cleaner instruction manuals were one of my early specialties. Oh, if you okay. couldn't use your Dyson in the early noughties, that was probably my fault. So you're an expert on Dyson hoovers, then? <laughs> Very much so. I worked there for quite some time. Um, oh, amazing. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I've, I've always written different things. And then mm-hmm. I, I went on from, from marketing and, and had a bit of a side hustle going, doing some TV live blogging for The Guardian, which I still do and have been doing now for 12 or 13 years. So I've done a little bit of journalism and a little bit of blogging and a little bit of commercial writing for in a, in a sort of marketing capacity. But I've, I've never been a, a story writer. I was as a child. I was a, a, a sort of, um, you know, a, a religious story writer as a child. Okay. But, um, but never as an adult. You know, life took over. And, and so it, it was something I'd always wanted to do but never had the time and, until last year. That's it's amazing that you, you've sort of, you must have practiced a lot of the skills that were required uh, for writing a novel just through all the different sort of the, the wide breadth of writing that you've that you've done across your professional career I think sure I think definitely without without really realizing it you know when you when you write a presentation to to you know sell your your agency skills or your your marketing skills you, you know it is a, it is a method of storytelling you, yeah. you start at the beginning and you move through the middle and you you summarize everything at the end and the same for for blogging and live blogging you know it's it's short form but it's but it's definitely, you know, the narrative is is up and down. And I think the blogging particularly helped me hone my sense of humor. Um, and <laughs> and I think that's become, you know, really useful because that that's definitely something that I really enjoy doing. Uh, so I think I hadn't really realized the skills I had built up over the years that would help mm. me form a hundred thousand word novel but but they were yeah. there. And it actually, you know, it, when I once I got started, it, it started to flow much more easily than I thought it would, which, which was a lovely surprise and ended up, you know, with a, with a book at the end of it, which, which felt like a huge achievement. Yeah. I mean, just, I say it to everyone, it's like just finishing a book is a huge achievement in itself. Uh, It's it's a hard thing to just kind of go, especially a hundred thousand words. That's pretty long for a debut. I think actually the first one was nine. I think it was like 92, but the second one that that comes out next year is, is more like a hundred. Uh, right, right. Um, it is a hard thing to do. And I think we put a lot of pressure on ourselves yeah, as writers, um, you know, to, to it, it's not enough to finish the book. Then you have to get an agent and then you have to find a publisher mm. and then you have to write a bestseller and then you have to, you know, get a book deal. And, and, and you know, suddenly it's like, well, actually, now I want translation rights and movie rights. And like we're always moving the goalposts. And I think it's really important that writers take a moment to just congratulate themselves for having written a book. Yeah. Like it's, it's a huge thing to do. And, and I think, you know, I think it's natural for us to always be thinking ahead, but sometimes we need to take a breath and, and, and congratulate ourselves on how far we've come. Yeah. And remember that, you know, you started writing for you, not for, you know, commercial success or any, any of the things that come along with that. Definitely. And I think had I, had I sat down and gone, right, I'm going to write a book that's going to be published and is going to be out in, in the world, I probably wouldn't have written that book. Because, you know, it was it was a lockdown romance. And and I think 
it was only when I finished it, I started to get a bit wobbly about what well, is anybody going to want to read this? You know, we're still we're still in lockdown. Mm-hmm. And actually, mm-hmm. here we are a year on and we're still in lockdown in, in yes. some capacity. I, I think yeah. had I known how long it would go on for, I probably wouldn't have written that book. I probably would have written something different. Um, but because I didn't know what I was going to do with it and because I didn't know that it would ever be published, I, I wrote the book I wanted to write at the time. And, and now I'm really glad I did that. Yeah, that's the key. That's what I've found from talking to different people is is a lot of people write several books before they one gets picked up by an agent or picked up by a publisher. And it's almost always the one where they where they said, you know, I just took the pressure off myself. I just said, I'm going to write this one because this is the one I want to write. I don't know if the market's going to like it, but I just really want to do this. And that's that like the passion comes through, the joy comes through and that, that's always the one that gets totally. picked up. And the second book that I wrote because when I when I got the, the the deal with headline to publish that book I actually yeah. got a two book deal uh-huh. so the second book that I then had to write felt very different because suddenly you're you're thinking about audiences and you're yeah. thinking about you know is this is this commercial enough is this got enough sex in it should this have less sex in it? <laughs> you know you start to question everything and actually I had to just say you know Heidi stop it like just write just write the book you want to yeah. write you know if some if this is going to be, you know, one day, I'd like this to be what I do for a living. I feel like that's probably quite a long way off, but that's, I think that's what we all dream of, right? <laughs> yeah, that's the dream. Um, that's the and, and there are always going to be books that mean more to me than they mean to other people and some that, you know, readers like more than others. That's just, that's just life. So yeah. I think you have to, you have to, I think the minute you try so hard to write for other people is the point at which it stops coming from the heart. And, and that, that I think feels very different. Oh, definitely. And I'm always, I have a really great writing group and we're, we're constantly on WhatsApp and talking about what's, you know, the big stuff that's just been signed, the big deals that are being made, what's trending at the moment in, in terms of like what's popular. And if you, we, we're always saying like, if you chase the trends and you say, oh, um, for example, let's say vampires are become, becoming popular again. I don't think they are, but let's say they are for the sake of this. The Twilight revival. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then suddenly everyone's like, oh, let's write Twilight-esque yeah. books and things like that. It's like, by the time you've written that book, pitched it, an, an agent has maybe seen it, publisher's not going to take it because that's like a long time it's in the future and that trend's off, gone. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's been and gone. They're looking for the new one now. Definitely. And, and you know, I have to, we all have to, we all have to be the writer we were born to be. And I think I don't want to be, you know, the next Julie Cooper or the next Marion Keys. They're both incredible writers. I love their work, but, but that's their work. And I have to, I have to find my voice and do it my way and, and accept that everyone's going to love it, but you know, it is what it is. Take inspiration from like the places that you want to, and and you can pay um, homage if you wish, but, but always, yeah, try and be true to your own voice. You're a hundred percent. You you've, you've hit the nail on the head there and your agent going back to uh, your journey here, Mm. your agent is Caroline Sheldon. The legendary, the the (laughs) The one one and only Caroline (laughs) Sheldon. Yeah. And actually I heard you interview her a couple of weeks ago and um, she's amazing. She is. She's an extraordinary woman who, who has been, the best mentor and guide that I could have possibly wanted. I mean, when I put together my shortlist of agents and I did all the research and looked at, you know, writers I really admire in that kind of genre of romantic comedy and who their agents are. And I made my shortlist and wrote my submissions and my cover letters. And um, Caroline was, 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 you know, one of sort of at the top of my list. And, and, and because I wanted 
I think the thing I wanted most was was experience, was yeah. somebody who had navigated this industry because I, I knew nothing. Um, I, <laughs> I hadn't got a clue about how publishing works. I yeah. could talk about marketing until the, the, you know, product marketing until the cows come home, but I don't know anything about books. So when Caroline emailed me and, and said, I've read your first three chapters and I loved them. Can I see the rest of the book? I mean, I think I went through the kitchen roof um, with excitement because, because you know, she's, she's amazing and she has, she has been incredible and, and so helpful and, and, and so free with her advice and her guidance. And I feel very lucky to have somebody like her on my team. She's great. Yeah. And, and you, you know, if you're looking for experience, then she has, she has seen like the industry for through so many years. Uh, you really, you really nailed it with her. How many agents were on your short list? Nine. nine. <laughs> I had nine of them. And, and that was really, you know, um, quite a, quite a, um, a sort of carefully chosen selection. I, I'd read yeah. a lot of forums and, and blogs and, you know, but the, the writing community is amazing. They're very yeah. generous with their advice mm-hmm. online. So I was able to go and read lots of forums and blogs from debut authors who gave tips and, you know, top 10 things to do when you're, when you're submitting your book. And, and, and one of the common themes was don't scattergun the industry, yeah. you know, yeah, don't, yeah. they all, it's a very small world and they'll know if you've sent it out to all and sundry, like, pick make a shortlist pick carefully the agents that you would genuinely be happy if any one of them picked up your book so that's mm-hmm. what I did and it took quite a lot of time it's quite a lot of work I had a spreadsheet love a spreadsheet <laughs> um and um and and yeah so Caroline was one of was one of nine and and she wasn't she wasn't the first to respond I had a couple of you know very very kind no's um and then after Caroline I had another I had another would like to would like to see it but but Caroline was my was my first choice and and I think absolutely the right one amazing well I mean you, you you've got the deal so that obviously that part yes. of the <laughs> once once she'd signed you um did you then come together and work together on the novel before sending it out to publishers Yes. Yeah, so Caroline came back with some brilliant advice on maybe you could trim this and there's this little subplot that I don't think is adding anything. So let's get rid of that. I mean, this is very Caroline. She's like, no yeah. nonsense, kind yeah, of yeah. get rid of that, a bit more of that. Um, so I spent, you know, a little bit of time just finessing it and um, and then getting it ready for her to, to do her thing with. Um, and then I think, so I think I signed with her around sort of late July last year. And then I think I finally got a deal. I think it was about October, September, or October. So it took a little bit of time to get it ready. And then, you know, it was over to Caroline to do her thing with it. Yeah. Um, but yes, I did, I did have some really constructive advice from her, which was exactly, you know, what I wanted an agent for. I mean, I have a huge amount of admiration for people who self-publish. And, um, you know, I've worked in marketing for a really long time and I thought Mm. really long and hard about whether or not I could go down that route because I probably more than some have the ability to to ring my own bell um, (laughs) because I know how to do it. But equally, I was just very conscious that um, it was an industry I didn't know anything about. And if I could get some expert advice on my on my side, then that would be really useful. So that was always my plan A. And if that hadn't worked out, then then I probably would have gone down that route. But um, but yeah, I felt uh, um, Caroline was really, really um, constructive with her feedback, and we we got that manuscript in 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 good shape really quickly. 
And once it was, were you were you involved much in the submission process between when when Caroline was taking it out to publishers? No, not at all. I no. was I was chewing my my fingernails in in Wiltshire <laughs> while she <laughs> while she was doing her thing in London. Um, yeah, yeah, so I wasn't involved at all until she had had. You know, obviously, when she started to get feedback, she shared that with me. Yeah. Um, and and you know was sort of kind of keeping me calm until such time as we we had a, a positive call and then I had a conversation with with um, my editor at headline who um, you know talked about what their their plans were and her thoughts and and yeah and that that all then started to move quite quickly uh, waiting on a tax return hopefully it ends up in your hands fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30 percent in 2023 if you're in a bind this tax season lifelock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Okay. And how was how did you find working with an editor? Oh, my goodness. She's amazing. <laughs> She's, um, I mean, it's funny. We're sort of three generations of women. So, so okay. B. Grabowska is my editor at, at Headline. And she's, right. I guess, probably in her late 20s. And then, of course, I'm in my late 40s. And then yeah. Caroline is another generation further yeah. on. So we're this kind of three generations of women who all are, are sort of pushing towards a common goal. So it's really nice awesome. to have those two different perspectives on my work. But yeah, B is amazing. And, and she came back and, and it was just immediately clear that she totally got me and got the book and like was excited about all the same things I was excited about. And it just felt like it felt like a really, really good fit. So that was that was a lovely conversation to have, obviously by Zoom, because, you know, that's all yeah. we did back yeah. in those days. It still is. Um, but uh, <laughs> but yeah, so that that felt really nice to, to, to meet somebody who said, I read the book and this is what I loved about it. And this is what we'd like to do with it. And yeah, that felt really positive. And and, and the next one, Never Gonna mm. Happen, out in May. Yes. Same editor? Same editor. Yep. So, um, uh, so my, my deal with headline has now been extended to four books. Oh, um, and goodness. so I, I will be working hopefully with, I mean, she and I have started working on the third, so I have drafted the manuscript for the third. So it's in kind of okay. first, first she's, she's given, you know, structural edits and all that kind of stuff. So that's moving along quite nicely. Um, so yes, yeah, so hopefully I will work with B for all four, which would be really lovely. Uh, okay, so the second one you're done with it. It's it's gone. It's yeah, gone. it's in like final proofreading now, and right. that's out in May. Okay, just okay. waiting for a cover. Apparently, I will have that in a couple of weeks, so that's quite exciting. Uh, do you have any say in the covers? I do actually a little bit. Yeah, um, so B asked me for the first book to sort of share some thoughts on what was in my head, make her a little mood board. Okay. Um, so I did, and yeah. you know, I, I gave her some some sort of visual styles and colours and things that were in my head, and she came back and said, "Great," because that's exactly where my head is at too. And then, and one of the amazingly talented designers at, at Headline um, did the book cover. Um, and hopefully the same designer will do the second one. So it will be in the same kind of, in the same kind of wheelhouse, but, but obviously a slightly different theme and um, a little, uh, you know, different colours and so on. So, but I think they will, they will all feel like they're part of the same family, I think. Oh yeah. Brilliant. On, on brand. I really like the cover for two metres from you. That's fun, isn't simplistic, it? Uh, yeah. But like bright colours and, and sort of friendly and welcoming yeah. um, look to it. No, it's, it's really nice. Thank you. 
it feels a bit like you've been this this your journey into publishing from as you said you didn't know anything about publishing has been sounds like it's been non-stop since basically you signed with caroline yeah it has it's been <laughs> been a, i mean you know I, I have to pinch myself because i feel like it's all moved extremely quickly yeah and you know i i still have a job i still have, <laughs> i still have a proper job and obviously at the moment i am live blogging strictly at the weekends i i i, I don't really know what which way's up most days at the moment it'll get better in January when Strictly's got three more weeks to go and then that'll be finished and I'll have a bit more breathing space at the weekends right um but uh yeah it, it does feel like a bit of a whirlwind but I'm loving it I feel I feel very lucky and very um very blessed to, to be in this situation so I'm I'm making the most of it yeah no it's brilliant Let, and let's talk about <laughs> let's talk about these Strictly live let's blogs talk about Strictly. What, what, what exactly is entails within <laughs> live blogging? Like, what's, so, what's your role there? It, it was born out of cricket, funnily enough. So okay. way back in the day, like early noughties, The Guardian started doing these sort of over-by-over over cricket blogs on, on what was the, the newly formed Guardian website. And mm -hmm. it was just a way of following the cricket if you weren't watching, you know, right, or okay. alongside watching. Like, a bit like having a commentator, but one that didn't speak, like a written commentary yeah that, okay. that that sort of and and it moved quite quickly in the sort of mid noughties into television for like big event tv so you know things like big brother and early x factor and like you know charles and camilla's wedding like things where people right. gathered around the television you could watch it and then you would have this this commentary and i was a was a blogger at the time uh, you know the early wave of sort of 2006 kind of blogging um pre social media and um i got wind of, of, of a rumour. I mean, I was literally like a mum of two living in Wiltshire. I didn't have any connections in the world of journalism, absolutely no <laughs> qualifications. Blagged my way in as usual. Um, I got wind of the fact that they were sort of interested in recruiting bloggers to do live blogs rather than journalists, because obviously it's a slightly different skill. Um, heard about that on the sort of blogging grapevine and then just hammered on their door relentlessly until they got so sick of me. They said, yes, go on then, have a go. And, and that was 2008. Um, oh, okay. so 13 years on, I'm still doing it, but, but now I focus almost exclusively, you know, for a while I did the apprentice and bake off and X factor and all those oh. kind of big event TV, um, sort of, uh, but now because I have a million other things and, and a proper job, um, I just do it. I just do strictly now. Um, and then I, I live blog Eurovision, the Eurovision Song Contest, which is my <laughs> oh, other excellent. great passion. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I do that for Eurovision, for Eurovision.tv rather oh, okay, than The Guardian. Okay. So. And, and it's, so it's like, it's, it's, it's live. You are mm. watching it and then... I'm watching it and writing at the same time. So I'm writing a live commentary of the show, minute by minute. It's a, it's a stream of consciousness, basically. Yeah, it's me say. talking about the dance and the dresses and the outfits. And it's supposed to be quite funny um, and I, I think what, what makes it quite special particularly with the guardian is that there is a huge community of commenters who join in who so you know there's me kind of providing my commentary and in below the, the blog there is a, a whole community of people who come along every week and then add their add their wit and wisdom um, uh, in the comment box so yeah, yeah. and thousands and thousands of comments every week and they're, they're great they're really funny they're very wise they're all big fans of the show so it's yeah. all quite you know good-natured um and so I think a lot of people will follow along with the blog as an extra kind of layer to their viewing experience but others will will come to read the blog and also read the comments because they they, they are they're great yeah I wonder how much 
I speak to a lot of people who are sort of not agented yet trying to write or just starting writing or, or talking about, you know, things that they've struggled with writing. And a lot of my friends say that they often struggle doing a vomit draft where, yeah. where you just, it's just like, I've just got to write it down. It doesn't need to be perfect because the, the trap is, is often to you write a paragraph and then you can't help but reread it. And then you keep yeah. rewriting it and you keep rewriting it. I wonder if, do you, do you think that doing those live blogs, that experience of just kind of in a situation where it's like, I have to get this down. I can't change it. It's done. Do you think that helps you to just write? Completely. It helps me to focus. So the only way you can write a live blog is to go into a, into a bit of a zone. Yeah. You imagine I'm trying to watch TV with one eye and look at a laptop with another yeah. <laughs> and then think and write simultaneously whilst editing and adding pictures and proofreading and like all of those things at the same time. It's, it's, it's the ultimate multitasking. You add but, pictures as well. Oh yeah, yeah I do all that. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm a one woman like live <laughs> blog machine. But in, when you're, that so many of those skills come into play, like um, to, to sit and, and in front of my laptop and go, right, thousand words today, every day, thousand words. And just, as you say, vomit them out. Like don't, yeah. don't get hung up on the details. Don't like second guess yourself, like just empty your brain of what has been rattling around in the last 24 hours since you last mm. did this. I think that's, that's really, really important. And um, it, it, you know, you can, you can edit a bad bit of text, but you have to have some text. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, and, and so yeah. you've got to get it out. And I think um, you say, I mean, my, my, one of my favorite phrases is shit it out. Just shit it out, <laughs> Heidi. Just get it out there. Get it out of your head and onto um, the page. Yeah. Um, and, um, and then it's not in your head anymore and you can fill your head with something else. And exactly. I think that that is really, really important. And, yeah. and, you know, that's what drafts are for, right? Exactly. Yeah. Because I mean, realistically, I think most the, the, the sort of nuance and things like that, that's all written in the redrafts. Um, oh, completely. Yeah. And, you know, there's that phrase, uh, you, you can't edit a blank page. So. Totally. And, and no one's ever going to see it. No one's ever going to see this yeah. dreadful mess of a first draft. But <laughs> um, it, it's really important to, to get it down. And um, I'm, I'm, I tend to write in blocks. I'll write a few chapters and then I'll go back and refine a little bit and then okay. I'll move on um, rather than just write the whole thing flat out. I, yeah. I do tend to write in sort of 10,000 word blocks and then and then twiddle with it as I go along. Oh, okay. um, yeah. But um Again, you know, that's, I know everybody has their different ways and that was what felt right for me. But the most important thing is I try and write something every day. Yes, that's the, well, no, no matter what it is, take, or how much you do, always take a step in the direction of your dreams every day. I love, you're like a, you're like a Instagram <laughs> motivational quote in human form. I love it. Uh, I'm pretty sure that's a misquote of Bruce Lee, <laughs> but yeah, I'll take it. <laughs> a misquote of Bruce Lee, I'm yeah. sure, you know, well, why not? <laughs> I mean, segueing on from there, if you could give some advice with the kind of your experience over the last um, year and a half about writing and getting published and things like that to would-be uh, authors out there, what advice would you give them? I think I would say um, be kind to yourself. Remember to enjoy it. Um, it goes back to what I was saying before about how much pressure we put on ourselves. You know, the fact that you're sitting down and you're you're writing and you've got that passion and you've got that dream and you've got that skill is something to be massively proud of. And I think, uh, yeah, so so it's not a race. It's, you know, it's a journey and it's one we're all on at some stage. Some people 
moving along faster than others, some people further along the journey. But everybody started by writing chapter one at the top of a piece of paper. Um, and <laughs> exactly. I think that's that's something we need to remind ourselves of and remember that it shouldn't, you know, it shouldn't feel like agony. It should feel like you're doing something you love. And 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 so, you know, you need to enjoy it um, yeah. and, uh, and, and be proud of yourself. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think if you if it feels like you're not enjoying it, if if you're if trying if you're trying to just kind of get through a chapter or, or a certain part of your book, then you probably want to rethink that. Definitely, and I mean, well, I think we've all, you know, I can think of a number of times in my career I've started work in a job and I've I've realised really early on this isn't for me, whether it's the the, the place or the people or the the job itself. Yeah. I mean, you know, you don't stick that out for years and years and years. You just move on, and I think that's what what people need to do is like you know not punish yourself not beat yourself up not look around and compare yourself to everybody else I think that's something that we're all inclined to do um Mm -hmm. and it's 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 not necessarily particularly healthy like enjoy your own journey um and um love every minute of it because it's it's really special and the minute you start you're on it and you know who knows where it might end up yeah and we all start writing because we love stories and we love writing you know that's why we do it it's easy to forget sometimes when you get caught up in the industry and all the pressure. That... Definitely. You know, we're all storytellers in our own little ways. And that is a real gift. And uh, it is something that, you know, you have to nurture and you have to sort of look after. Um, and that requires looking after yourself. And um, I think, you know, sometimes I'm not very good at that, but um, I'm, I'm learning that you can't do everything and you can't do everything now. Yes. Um, and, you know, you have to you have to take a breath some, day, some days and just go, do you know what? It's just not happening. I'm going to write six more words and then I'm going to go walk my dog. <laughs> Perfect. Um, and I'll come back to this later. Yeah, I think well, that that's that's excellent advice. Is look after yourself as a creative, as a storyteller, as a writer. You know. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's any kind of creative work, whether you're an artist or a musician, or, or you know, but we mm. torture ourselves, don't we? Because <laughs> we, because we 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 long for you know we long for everything that's in our heads to be out there and perfect and in the public realm. And but that's a that's a slog. It's hard work. <laughs> yes, it is. Yes, it is indeed. And that brings us on to. The final question, mm. which is, Heidi, yes. if you were stranded on a desert island, but you could take one book with you, which book would you take? So this was a very interesting question. And I, I probably gave far more thought to this than any normal person would. Um, <laughs> I know. Lots of people have given me more thought to it. Don't worry. We've kept people um, up at night. <laughs> so... so I found reading new books really, really hard during lockdown. And I know I'm not the only one. I think a lot of that has been about, I guess, to some degree, avoiding the stress of the unknown. So to pick up a book, you don't know where it's going to go. You don't know what the plot's going to be. And to dive into that in a, in a time where anxiety is high and stress levels are quite high is quite difficult. I've, I found it particularly difficult. So the, the way I've got myself back into reading in, in the last year is to kind of retreat to books I've read in the past and I've loved. And so they felt a bit like a sort of a safe harbour. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, maybe something I read 10 years ago or eight years ago or whatever and, and thought, oh, I remember I really loved that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go back into that. So the book I have picked is The Night Circus. Um, by Erin Morgenstern. And that's the book I would like to take onto my desert island. And the reason I've chosen it is because it's it's part love story, it's part fantasy, it's part this sort of Victorian fairy tale, but it has the most vivid imagery of any book I think I've ever read. And it was, I revisited it for the first time in years at the end of last year or early this year. And 
and and just fell in love with it all over again. It's it's not so much a book you read; it's more a book you kind of immerse yourself in, like proper yeah. kind of magical escapism. And um, and that made me realise just how much I love reading again, and to <laughs> and to perhaps push myself out and go, Do you know what, Heidi, read some new things, um, download yeah. some nice books, go book shopping again, um, and and like because there are so many great books out there, like. The Night Circus. That was a debut, um, and it's it's an extraordinary one. And um, yeah, I think it's made me think. Do you know what? There's there's tons of great stuff out there, and I see people talking about it on Twitter all the time of like this amazing book and that amazing book. And I just need to kind of get back out there. But that that book I'll take because I know that no matter how bad I'm feeling, I will always find a lot of happiness in that book. Oh, that's wonderful. It's it's always great when you you have that book, that sort of comfort thing that you mm. know. Uh, will always kind of bring out the best in you as well, inspire you in whatever way you need at the time. Well, that's a lovely answer. Um, thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing your experiences with me and, and, and everyone listening. Oh, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for having me. Oh, you're you're most welcome. Come by any time. And <laughs> for anyone listening, if you want to keep up with everything that Heidi is doing, you can follow her on Twitter and Instagram at Heidi Stevens. Uh, you can also go on her website, HeidiStevens.co.uk, for more information and links to her blogs and everything like that. Two Meters From You is out. You can get it in all the usual places. And her second novel, Never Gonna Happen, will be out in May next year. To make sure you don't miss an episode of this podcast, follow us on Twitter at Right and Wrong UK and on Instagram at Right and Wrong Podcast. Thanks again, Heidi. And thanks to everybody listening. We'll catch you on the next one. You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com aware. Terms apply.